0: Don't sit on the sidelines and overanalyze something. The old saying paralysis of analysis. Jump in, take some action, network with people, and don't be afraid of making some mistakes.
1: Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, got two questions for you, and this is for my fix and flippers out there. One, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And two Are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by reducing your loan payments to the bank or private lender? Of course you are, right? You're always looking to maximize the potential of your deal. So here's a solution. We got a solution for you through the crowdfunding platform, Patch of Land. If you're a loyal Best Ever listener, you know Patch of Land. They've been on the show many times. They've sponsored the show many times. They're back for more because they love you. They want to help you out. They want to add value to your life. And here's how they're going to do it. They have a solution to your financing issue of financing costs eating away from your bottom line, and they want to help you reduce your loan payments to the bank. So here we go. Patch of Land offers a fix and flip loan program that only charges interest on the funds that have been dispersed as opposed to the traditional model of lenders charging interest on the whole loan amount at the beginning. You save a lot of money this way, and it can be misleading when you get your terms quoted to you by the lender at a particular rate if they charge all the interest up front versus upon distribution. Patch of Land's got a document that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper to educate yourself on questions you should ask the lender. Regardless if you go with Patch of Land, you've got to get this document to educate yourself on the questions to ask your lender to make sure you're getting the best financing terms. The documents at patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. That's patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Patch of Land, they can close in as a little as seven days and they can help you through this program save thousands of dollars on your deals, make more money, and uh, have a better business and grow your fix and flip business. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Mark Juszczyk. How you doing, Mark?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you.
1: Well, nice to have you on the show. Mark is based in Grand Blank, Michigan, which is a stone's throw from where I was born, Flint, Michigan. I think I was actually technically born in Grand Blank. A little bit about Mark he is a residential real estate broker with American Associates. He has over eight years' experience in real estate as a broker and as an investor. He's done short sales, owner financing, estate purchases, HUD, and REO transactions, and he has that in his portfolio and he is the owner of multiple rental properties and an apartment building, and he's done some flips along the way as well. With that being said, Mark, you want to give the best of listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: Certainly. Thank you for the introduction. I did not start out my career as a real estate investor. I originally started out working in the corporate world initially in the automotive industry and then migrated over into the banking industry, and that was about the time when the market started to slip. So I focused more at that time of picking up rental properties and flipping properties while working simultaneously in the corporate America world with a large bank. In about 2010, I was fortunate enough to get laid off and at that point I was able to exclusively focus on investing and being a real estate investor and agent. I never took any unemployment compensation or anything like that, just hit the ground running the day that I lost my job, seven years ago. And ever since, I have done 50-some flips and acquired 20 to 25 single-family rental properties and now own three apartment buildings.
1: 50 flips. How many rental properties did you say?
0: 20 to 25 single-family homes. They come and go as I sell them off to buy better Mm -hmm. ones or at this point starting to sell them off just because the market is so strong and recapture some of the equity.
1: Let's talk about the single families and what you just said in terms of recycling some and either upgrading to better ones or putting it into something else. Talk to us about your approach.
0: So many of these were acquired back in 2010, 11, 12, and even some into 2013. My strategy was every time I'd flip a property, I would not spend the profits. I would retain them and buy at least one, perhaps two rental properties outside of the area that I was flipping. So in a higher cash flow marketplace is where I was buying my rental properties. And I was literally just rolling the equity from a flip into a rental and just kept on doing it over and over and over. Now that the market has come back so strong, some of these properties are in desirable areas and they've gained a lot of equity. So Mm -hmm. the strategy has been to sell off some of those ones that are holding a massive amount of equity so we can purchase more apartment complexes.
1: Are you buying the apartment complexes in Grand Blanc?
0: No. We've bought two in Lansing and one in Fowlerville.
1: What large city is close to Fowlerville?
0: Fowlerville is almost exactly halfway between Brighton, Michigan and Lansing, Michigan.
1: Okay. How far away is Lansing from Grand Blanc?
0: Approximately one hour. And the same with Fowlerville. They're each about one hour away from my home base. Okay.
1: And why not buy in your home base?
0: I'm not necessarily opposed to it, but we go where the deals are. And at this moment in time, that's where the deals have been. And they're still in good performing areas. They're not in a bad or dilapidated area. So they're still viable for us. And they're within driving distance still.
1: And you said that you have two in Lansing and one in Fowlerville? Correct. Let's just go through the progression that you acquired them. So, can you tell us the details of each of them?
0: Sure. The first one was acquired just over a year ago in September 2016. It was a property that actually my partner located on LoopNet. And we immediately went and looked at it after contacting the listing broker. It's a 63 unit property, relatively new, built in 1994. And it was originally built as a senior citizens property with a deed restriction at that time. The owner that had it was running it very, very poorly with outrageous expenses. The expenses were running between 70 and 75%. The building itself was in fantastic condition. All the major capex was done, but it was not cash flowing well for them because it was being run very poorly with high expenses. So we submitted a full price LOI and inevitably got it under contract shortly thereafter and financed it with 20% down using a local credit union.
1: Did you end up paying what you had the LOI written out to for purchase price?
0: We did in the purchase agreement, but inevitably after we went through due diligence, I believe we got another fifty or sixty thousand dollar price reduction because of some discovered issues that we found with the building.
1: Do you remember what those issues were?
0: The big one was the parking lot. So the issues with the parking lot were noticeable when we initially looked at the property, but we didn't understand, I guess, at the time what the extent of those repairs were and the cost of those repairs. So we were able to renegotiate in lieu of what we discovered.
1: And what did you end up buying it for? How much?
0: $1.6 million.
1: One point six. And you said you did 20% down with a local bank? Correct. Okay. The business plan that you have, was it essentially to optimize the operation so that the expenses aren't as high?
0: That was exactly it, was to optimize the expenses and then where applicable, increase rents and we have been increasing the rents. The rents were not too far off from market. There was room to maybe bump them five, eight percent, but this was more of a play on reducing expenses.
1: What were the expenses that you were able to reduce?
0: It was an owner-operator that we bought it from, and their in-house expenses as far as an on-site manager and two full-time on-site maintenance men were extraordinarily high. They were running about $90,000, which was cutting into the NOI drastically.
1: Comparing that structure to now, what do you have for your help on site?
0: We've employed a property manager who's based in the East Lansing area. They've got a resident manager who manages this property and the other one that we have in Lansing. So it's a shared property manager between two facilities and we're running about 50 to 55% expense ratio on each of these properties now.
1: You said you have a property manager who doesn't live there, and a resident manager who I assume does live there, correct?
0: No, the resident manager does not live on site. The property management company has one of their employees who is assigned to that property and is the resident manager.
1: I'm with you. I was a little confused. Okay, so you have a property management company that employs a resident manager who does not live on site. Correct. Got it. All right, I'm with you. Before, they had an on-site manager and I think you said two full-time maintenance people. What do you have now for maintenance?
0: We've got a maintenance person that is utilized on an as-needed basis. So there's nobody who's physically on-site, but they're called in as work orders come in to do whatever the task is at that hand. Since they're based only in East Lansing, which is not long of a driving distance, they come on-site as necessary. Mm-hmm.
1: And that person is employed by the property management company, is that correct?
0: That is correct, yes. Okay. Yes. Cool.
1: What about other expenses? Because that was a big difference, but I'm sure there are other items if they were at running so high that now you're much lower. What were some other savings?
0: The other major savings we had was the cost of property insurance. Our property insurance cost is about 40% less than what they were paying. And I believe that's more just a function of them not shopping around for better rates.
1: When you take a look at the different options or when you were taking a look at the different options, what was your approach when looking at lower annual payment but higher deductible, lower deductible, higher annual payment?
0: So we were not huge risk takers in that we were prepared to have a high deductible. But at the same time, we were trying to keep the premiums at a reasonable rate. So we went literally middle of the road on what we ended up choosing for a policy with regards to the deductible options. And what is it? We ended up at a $5,000 deductible. And I think we could have gone as high as 10 or $12,000 even
1: mm-hmm. and,
0: and you, as low as 2,500.
1: Do you remember how much your insurance costs annually?
0: Our insurance cost annually right now is just under $8,000. Okay.
1: So you have a five thousand dollar deductible, and the annual cost is about eight thousand, right?
0: Yes. Okay. Cool.
1: Anything else on that property that is noteworthy that we haven't discussed? Not
0: necessarily. That property is doing very well now. We had some capex repairs that we needed to do, but we didn't pay for those necessarily out of pocket. We just did them out of cash flow. It was more cosmetic by replacing carpeting in the hallways, painting the hallways, just freshening up the building a little bit, which then allowed us to push the rents to new prospective tenants because then you've got a cleaner facility that's more desirable for somebody to want to live in.
1: And I know it's impossible to know what other people were thinking. So I'll state that prior to asking the question, but I'm still going to ask you the question. Why do you think other people were passing it up on LoopNet?
0: I don't know that they necessarily had an opportunity to pass it up because we jumped on it the first day. Okay. Of course, the broker told us he had backup offers. Sure. How true that is, but at an eight, eight and a half cap where we bought it, I tend to believe that there would have been additional interest.
1: Mm -hmm. What about the next property?
0: So the next property, we bought an entire block of townhomes in Fowlerville, and those properties are newer as well. They're built in 1993 It's some townhomes and some duplexes, and there was also one single family home included in the package. and. That property was in a really nice turnkey position. There wasn't a whole lot of repositioning to be done with it other than increasing the rents to a certain extent. They were under market by about 10%. And the big value add on that property was in billing the tenants back for their water and sewer usage. So they were already individually metered for gas and electric. And the landlord pays the water, but by implementing a system where we're getting compensated back by the tenants for their water usage, that reduced expenses and then thereby increased the NOI.
1: Mm-hmm. What's the impact on that NOI?
0: That impacted our NOI with the increase of the rents and the reduction of the expenses by about 15%.
1: 15% and do you know off the top of your head what those numbers, what it was and what it is now?
0: I don't have those readily available in front of me.
1: Okay, just curious. You bought an entire block of townhomes. How many units does that comprise of?
0: That comprised of 23 units, Okay. and we bought them for $50,000 per door.
1: Did you cobble that together, or was it presented to you as a package?
0: It was presented to us as a package, so as a single owner, it's all under one parcel ID number, and that individual person, it was another owner-operator who owned it.
1: What about the third apartment community?
0: The third apartment community is a 50 unit and it's located about three miles from our other property that we already own in the city of Lansing. This is a property that it was in a little bit rougher condition It had a lot of deferred maintenance and it had owners who were not running it very efficiently or effectively. It was a property that I actually located on Facebook of all places in the Lansing area investors group. Somebody had posted that they were potentially going to be selling a multifamily property so I reached out to them directly to get the details and one thing led to another and we ended up getting it under contract. It's truly the epitome of an off-market deal that we were able to put together, which was fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. What did you get it under contract for? How much?
0: We bought that building for $1.2 million, which is about $24,000 per door.
1: Mm-hmm. How much do you anticipate putting into it?
0: We're going to have to put about a $125,000 into it. There are multiple buildings, and there were some questionable roofs, as well as the townhomes have individual furnaces, and the furnaces are original from 1983, so they're definitely well beyond their useful life and will need to be replaced. The great thing about this deal, though, is we syndicated it and didn't have to bring any of our own money to the table, so we syndicated the portion of our down payment and then used bank financing for the balance.
1: Did you also raise money for the improvements that's 125,000?
0: We did, yes. A majority of that we did raise and then the balance of it we're going to utilize from cash flow.
1: Okay. How much of that 125 are you going to allocate for the cash flow to pay it?
0: Approximately 40,000. Okay.
1: What type of structure do you have with investors on that deal?
0: So, we raised all the necessary amount for the down payment and the capex and My partner and I have a 50% interest in the property, and the investors who are in on it with us have the other 50%, but then it's split equitably based upon how much they contributed to the transaction. Sure.
1: So it's straight 50-50, and their 50% is divided up based on how much pro rata, basically.
0: Yes, that's exactly it. Cool.
1: Preferred return, no preferred return?
0: No preferred return.
1: Okay. Okay. Just out of curiosity, what are the projections for that deal in terms of profits to them over what period of time?
0: We're anticipating a 22% cash on cash return over the life of the investment. And the majority of that is going to come not necessarily from cash flow, but the equity gain when we resell the property. Because we'll have increased NOI drastically by mainly increasing rents. Yep. Outstanding.
1: Outstanding. Did you take an acquisition fee or is there an asset management fee at all in this deal?
0: We did not take that, no. No, we have a 50% override and we thought that was more than fair. Yep.
1: Cool. Good stuff. Based on your experience, you're focused now on, it sounds like apartment buildings. Is that correct?
0: That is correct. However, I'm still a very, very active single family home flipper. I won't say no to a deal really any which way I can get it.
1: Well, based on your experience as a real estate investor, flipping properties and then having a large portfolio of homes and then scaling up to apartment buildings, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: My best advice would be to don't sit on the sidelines and overanalyze something. The old saying, paralysis of analysis. Jump in, take some action, network with people, and don't be afraid of making some mistakes.
1: As far as jumping in and networking, what's a way that you've done that?
0: I've done that multiple ways. A lot of it comes from going to the local Real Estate Investing Association meetings. Those groups are found pretty much every large town has a RIA group. Just a matter of doing a Google search and finding out which one is nearest to you. And then, in addition, is participating in some of these different online portals. There are a lot of different investing forums that are out there in which you can engage. And even if you choose not to engage, just read and learn. You can learn a lot just from other people's successes and mistakes.
1: And then as far as mistakes, we'll ask what's a mistake you made in the transaction. Well, I'll just ask it now. What's a mistake you've made in the transaction?
0: The biggest mistake that I made was buying properties in a not desirable area in which I had a lot of problems with break-ins, tenant issues, poor tenant quality. That would have been my biggest mistake. If I could change anything, it would have been not to buy a couple of these properties that were in uh undesirable areas. And these are single family homes, so it was not as painful to get away from them. But that's something that I would have not done initially.
1: Once you accidentally do that, what steps can you take to try and clean it up as much as you can?
0: I think the biggest thing is to try to make the best of the situation, of course, but by doing it through finding tenants who are going to mitigate your loss (laughs) and the property loss. So, tenants who aren't going to beat up the property, even if that means that you have to give them a lower rent price to attract them in the grand scheme of things, even though if you're foregoing some cash flow, you're saving some money on expenses with rehab or when they go vacant. And literally just holding on to them until the market improves enough that you could sell them if you bought them in a down market or take the loss at the time being and move on and just get past the mental anguish.
1: Yeah, it's a good strategy, especially when you're exiting because a prospective investor looking at purchasing the property will see that you have had a long-term tenant and they're under market. So he or she might think, oh, well, there's opportunity here for upside and I'm getting a really good deal. In reality, might not be the case because the market level rent might bring in someone who doesn't take as good care of the property, but you could at least sell that story for the prospective buyer.
0: Exactly
1: ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan and conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellin.com forward slash show. That's D W E dot com forward slash show. All right, what's the best ever book you've read?
0: The Art of the Deal by Donald Trump.
1: Best ever deal you've done?
0: The latest syndication deal, our 50 unit in Lansing, Michigan.
1: Why that one over the other two?
0: Controlling an asset with no money out of pocket.
1: What's another mistake that you've made on a transaction that you haven't talked about?
0: Not necessarily transaction-specific, but not getting started soon enough. I would have started doing this long before now.
1: Best ever way you like to give back?
0: By helping other investors, doing these types of podcasts, sharing my information with them.
1: And on that, how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you?
0: I can be found on my Facebook page, which is called Apartment Investors of Michigan, or via email, which is my us C.H.A.K. at gmail.com
1: Mark I love that we talked about not one not two but three case studies of apartment buildings that you've bought within the last 12 months right all three correct the first one we've got the more traditional apartment community the 63 unit love the age of the property 1994. Since it was originally for senior citizens, did you have to do anything from an update standpoint or just operations to change it?
0: No, not necessarily. It was uh, pretty turnkey from that perspective.
1: Okay, cool. Well, talking about that deal and what you brought to it, 20% down, 1.6 purchase price, coming across some the business plan, where you came across high expenses, you lowered those primarily in two ways, One was the on-site staff. The previous company had an on-site manager plus two full-time maintenance people. That's crazy for a 63-unit and you don't have that. Then the other was the property insurance just shopping it out and yours is about 40% less than what they were paying. And then you got the other two, the 23 units that was cobbled together and presented to you a bunch of smaller stuff on the same block and the 50-unit, where the value was coming in, fixing the deferred maintenance and operating it effectively. A lot of it's in the operations, which is really interesting. Plus how you structured the deal, just straight, nice, clean, 50-50. You investors, you don't put any money in, they do. You do everything else and you share in the profit. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's dwellyn com forward slash show.